Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is that this message is going to be an encouragement to you personally and will cause great growth in your life. It's time to live and it's time to take this next step forward. God bless you as you listen. And then welcome to church, guys. Good to see you today. Can't wait to dive into God's Word. Hey, as, as uh, Devin was mentioning that about partnership track, uh, I, I, I failed to make that really clear with him earlier, but that is a Zoom event, okay? So that's not an on-site thing. It's over Zoom. So the, it's real important that, we, that you, get, that you uh, complete the next card. Let me know that you want to come, and we'll have uh, your email address, your phone number, so we'll email you and text you the Zoom link. You guys are all getting familiar with Zoom links, right? And if you don't know, it's pretty simple. You'll just click the link, and then you're in. It'll be a lot of fun tomorrow. And, and it's good to see the newlyweds, the Lens in church today. Yeah. Newlyweds as of like uh, 14 hours ago, right? Yeah, I remember you said I do, and y'all started kissing, and it was, it was over with, man. I'll tell you what. But congratulations, congratulations. Also, to let you know, today we're going to do communion at the end of the service. And if you failed, if you, I was going to say, if you failed to get your communion elements, that kind of sounds negative. If you failed, then, uh, well, if for some reason you didn't get the communion elements on your way in, uh, they'll be distributing those to anyone uh, who didn't get them near the end of the service. If you're at home, and I would love for you to participate in communion as well, just go ahead and grab something that would represent the body of Christ, the blood of Jesus, so you can participate with us as well. All right, well, let's jump into God's Word. I want you to locate two scriptures in your Bibles. First of all, go to Revelation chapter 3, Revelation chapter 3, verse 7, and then there's a second package, passage in the book of Revelation to look up and to hold, and that's Revelation 12, 11. So that's the second one, but we're going to spend a lot of time in Revelation chapter 3 today. We are looking at Jesus' letters to the end times church, this end of the age church. And this is a series called Overcoming This World. And next week I'll be wrapping up this series with the seventh of the seven letters. But just to give you a little background of what was happening while you're looking that up, uh, the uh, Apostle John, he was... He was uh, exiled on this Alcatraz of the day called Patmos Island, and he was there for preaching the gospel. And, and as he was a prisoner there, the, the scripture says in, in Revelation chapter 1 that on the Lord's Day, which would have meant Sunday, because the early Christians called Sunday the Lord's Day because that's the day he rose again. That's when the Christians would gather, uh, was be on Sunday mornings, and we still carry that practice out today. That's really interesting. But it says that he was in the spirit on the Lord's Day, so that meant he was just praying and worshiping. He had tuned out all the stuff of the world and was in God's presence. I'll tell you guys, that's a good place to be, to be in the spirit. But as he was in the spirit on the Lord's day, Jesus came and, and, uh, and interrupted that, that moment in a huge, powerful way, jolted him. He didn't expect an arrival of Jesus himself. And Jesus told him, I'm going to give you some things to write, and I want you to write whatever I tell you to write, and I want you to write about the things that you see. And the rest of that is what we see in what we call the book of Revelation, okay? So that's, that all came because Jesus visited John on the Isle of Patmos and said, right. And then Jesus told John, uh, I'm going to address these seven different churches and I want, and, and this is all written in Revelation chapters two and three. And these churches, just for you to understand, these churches were legitimate real churches in Asia Minor at the time, but they also have a representation 
representation of the end of the age church and there's so much in these letters to these seven churches for the end of the age church that we, we are, we, it's really essential that we dive in and we understand it and we, we research it and see what God is saying to us. See, we are to unlock the mysteries that are found in these seven letters at the very beginning. So today's title, uh, as we talk about the sixth of the seventh letters, is this. It's there's a doorway to blessing ahead. A doorway to blessing ahead. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 7, we're about to read this letter to the church of Philadelphia. Some of you are going to get real excited. It's like, yeah, I've been there. Now you probably haven't been. All right, we're not talking about Pennsylvania. Uh, this, that, that wasn't here yet. So some of you are excited. Yes, we knew Jesus was writing to churches in America. No, he wasn't. He was writing to this church uh, in Philadelphia in ancient uh, Greece uh, in the Roman Empire. But again, it is a representation of end of the age church. So he writes this and he addresses the angel. Uh, so Jesus says the beginning of the letter from Jesus to this church, he writes to the angel of the church of, uh, of, of Philadelphia. And you're going to see that just a reminder of what that is. That didn't mean that there was a literal uh, spirit being an angel, a, a heavenly angel that was there. I'm sure there were, but this letter was not written to that. It was written to the, the one who communicates on behalf of God. That's actually what the word angel means. It means messenger of God. So, so, so the pastor or the preacher or whatever they called it at that time, we call it pastor to, in today's world. So it would have been to the leader of the church, the one who delivers the word of God. Jesus spoke to that person to give this information to the church. So let's dive in. Revelation chapter three, verse seven. It says, to the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, these are the words of him who is holy and true, <clears throat> who holds the key of David. I want to unlock something here for you real quick because each church, to each church, Jesus spoke in a way that was relevant to that church, things they would have understood that may not come super clear to us today. That's why it's important that we kind of unlock the mysteries that are here. But he says that he holds the key of David. Now, I want to explain to you what that is. See, at that time, Christians they would, they would actually go to church, in a sense, twice a week. They would go on Saturday to the synagogue and they would worship with the Jews. And then on Sunday morning, they would have their own gathering. So they did it twice a week and, uh, and that was their tradition. But the problem was in the church in Philadelphia, the, the Jews who were not Christians, you know, they, but they, they were Jews who, who controlled the synagogue, they got to a point where they didn't want the Christians to come in anymore. And, and uh, because I, we don't know what the reason is, but for whatever reason, they didn't want that. And so the key that would lock the synagogue was called the key of David. That's what they would call it. So, so these Christians were being locked out of church, so to speak, when the, on, uh, on the Sabbath, they weren't allowed into the synagogue and that caused some big issues for the church. I mean, they were very hurt. They were frustrated about it because here's the deal. If, if they were able to get in, they believed, you know, you're, when you get into the fellowship that you're actually able to partake in the blessings of God. 
But see, what these people would do is they would lock the door and they would prevent them from accessing the blessings of God. And that's the way they saw it. And that was really frustrating. So now you can understand how frustrated these believers were. They were fervent for Jesus. They loved the word of God, but they were being locked out of the synagogue and they couldn't participate in the blessings of God. Now, understanding all that, now you can begin to understand the rest of what's in the letter, all right? So he says, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. In other words, who's going to unlock the synagogue into the blessings of God. He says, what he opens, no man can shut. (laughs) And what he shuts, no one can open. And then he says these incredible four words, which I want you to hear more than anything else today. I know your deeds, church. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, (laughs) who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I've loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep from you the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole earth to test the inhabitants of the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. To the one, the one who is victorious, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Hold your place there because we're going to dive into this in a little more depth. But what we want to pray for is a spirit of revelation. That's what I'm asking for you to, to ask God for even right now. Even as I study and, and study this and go deep into these scriptures, I want to have a spirit of revelation because I not only want to know what the Spirit said to that church, but I want to know what the Spirit says to us, this end of the age church. So this church in Philadelphia, the truth is, uh, I kind of would have loved to have been a part of this. Of all the seven churches, I think this would have been the one I would have loved to be a part of because they were doing their job. They, it's obvious they weren't living slothfully. They were not living according to the culture of the world. They were holding fast to their faith. They were even being persecuted by religious people because the, of the way they, they were living it out. And, and I would hope that if Jesus were to write a letter to City Life Church, I mean, it would be a letter of encouragement like this for us today. Because here's the, here's the truth. We have specific works, every one of us do, and it's different, but God has called us to do these things, and it's essential that we do what God has called us to do. And what I see here is that if we do, he will unlock this doorway to blessing for you. Now look back in chapter three, verse seven. I want you to follow along here. It says, what he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. Look again at verse 8. He says, I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. Get it in your head. He's saying it again and again. Again, a, a way to really understand what the main theme or the main thrust of a passage is, is when you see things repeated over and over. This is the key point right here, okay? He says, I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. And I'll just, I'll just jump off of that right here and just say, I know some of you are tired. 
Some of you are weary. You're worn down. Some of you, you feel like your, your strength is running low. And some of you, you just barely got here today. But you got here today. You did. You did. And some of you, you feel like, you know, I've dedicated so much. I've, I've given so much. I've done so much of God, God's work. And, and it just goes unnoticed. And, and, I, and I don't know if it's even making a difference. And I just feel drained. I just feel drained. Have you guys ever felt that way? I do sometimes. It's like, I just, uh, uh, I'm just, I just feel drained. Well, if you feel that way, or if you have felt that way, or if you're going to feel that way tomorrow, I've got a word from God for you. There's actually a doorway to blessing ahead because of what you've already sown. I have really good news for you. And just like Jesus knew the deeds of the church of Philadelphia, Jesus knows your deeds. He knows your deeds. God sees. Don't you, we, we can drop this, this feeling of like nobody sees or nobody cares. God sees, God notices, and God will reward. See, God sees the passion that's in your heart. God sees the way that it's coming out of you. God sees your worship and your prayer. And God God recognizes and notices the intensity and the diligence with which you do God's work. And, I, and whether, it's, whether it's witnessing to people or serving in the nursery or, 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 or coming up here early, those, I mean, some of you were up here at 7 a.m. cramming into the office for prayer. I love that. But, but you know what? God sees that. God sees the things that nobody else sees. And what God is saying to you is, I know what's going on. I see what's going on. And I'm going to bless you because of that. I'm going to respond to you because of that. And I really believe with all my heart, just like uh, what the, the way that the Church of Philadelphia was blessed, I believe this as well, is that in honor of your deeds, Jesus has rewarded you with an open door. It's a doorway to blessing. Remember, when like the doorway into the blessing of the synagogue, Jesus says, I'm going to give you a doorway to blessing. I want you to come in. He, and, and Jesus desires for you to walk through this door that he's got open for you. Don't be afraid to walk through that door because as you walk through that door, Jesus wants to bless you. As you walk through the threshold of that door, he wants to heal wounds from your past. Jesus wants to restore life and vibrancy to a hurting marriage. Jesus wants to bless you with financial freedom. Jesus wants to take and give you beauty for your ashes, the oil of joy for your sorrow. He wants to do that. And he's saying, just take some steps forward because I've already opened the door for you. I've seen your deeds. I know what's going on. And you know what? I've got something for you here. See, God has seen you. God's seen what you've been doing for his church. God has, has seen what you've been doing for his work. And all he's asking now is, I just want you to keep taking some steps forward and walk through the door that I've opened for you because nobody is gonna shut that door in your face. That's right. I'm, I'm giving you this open door and, and there's gonna be something different on the other side. And the truth is for each person individually, I don't know exactly what that looks like, but I can tell you this much. It is a place of blessing. It's a place of blessing. It's a place where God has his way with you. 
And the good news for you is you don't need a secret combination. You don't need a secret key to get through that door. You know, our office suite across the street, if you're going to get into that building, you have to have a code to get into the building. Isn't it great, though, some, you know, that you don't have to have a code. You don't have to key, have a key. All you have to do is know Jesus, and he's going to take you through that open door. It's not locked. And, and your faith and your continual hunger for God is going to keep that door unlocked. All you've got to do is gain the courage to keep moving forward. Now is not the time to camp out on the other side of that door saying, I'm just too tired. No, now's the time to get up, get up on your feet and keep walking forward. Here's my encouragement to you. It is for you right now to act in boldness, to cross that threshold into a new dimension of your faith. It will take faith for you to walk through that door. But I tell you, on the other side, you're going to be operating in new faith like never before. It's time to get rid, you know, you need to boldly, some of you need to boldly walk out of the pain and the frustration and the hurt of your past. So many of you, you've stepped up to serve. You've given and you felt like there's nothing in return. You've shown Christ's love and Christ's love didn't come back to you. Well, he knows this. He has set before you this open door and he's beckoning you to walk through it. Today's a day where I'm challenging you to take some steps forward in faith because you're an overcomer and you're going to be a greater overcomer as you even walk through that door. There's refreshing and there's blessing on the other side. Look now at verse number nine. Verse number nine, I just want to take this and exegete this for you a little bit more. It says, I will make those who are the synagogue of Satan. Wouldn't, wouldn't you hate to be a part of that synagogue? Jesus is like that. Yeah, these, these guys are, are not just like not, these guys are bad. These guys are evil. The synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. And for some of you, there have been very, it's very possible because this kind of stuff, maybe you probably have not literally been locked out of a synagogue that you're planning to, to worship in so you could have access to the blessing of God. But some of you, there have been people in your life, people who act religious, who look religious, who have all of the right talk and who seems to have all the right friends and seems to have everything going for them. And these religious people have looked down on you because of whatever and made you feel like God really doesn't even love you. You're not good enough to be a part of us and what's happening over here. Now, I love it, though, because these believers, they just kept on worshiping God. They kept believing in spite of the fact they were locked out of the synagogue. And what God says is, there's going to be a time in the future. Don't feel bad about this. Don't, don't worry about this, but I'm going to do something. You don't have to do it. You don't have to force it. You don't have to try to get an apology from them. I am going to have them come and, and kneel before you and say, God really, really does love you. God will turn the tables. I'll just tell you right there. Christians don't need to do revenge. Don't take stuff into your own hands. God will do it. God will turn it around and God will make that right. And and so that's part of the beauty of being a Christian. Take a look at verse number 10. It says, since you have kept my command to endure patiently, which is part of being a Christian, we have to endure some stuff and we have to be patient about it, all right? 
I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world and test the inhabitants of the earth. Now, this is actually a, quite a mysterious verse. It's very apocalyptic in nature, and I believe this speaks, uh, I believe this speaks to the end of the age church. And, and this is letting us know that as we are, as we are persistent in our faith and, uh, and we're not growing weary in our well-doing, that God is going to protect us from this uh, one-hour trial, which is spoken of in other the places in the scriptures that's going to come on the whole earth. Uh, there, there's a lot of ideas as to what that looks like, and I've taught on this before, but, but we don't know exactly, but we know this will be a time of incredible judgment, but God will protect you from that. So here, here's the beauty of this, is that God is going to protect you from the evil, this, this evil moment, whatever this looks like, uh, and, and he's going to do this as you walk through that open door, okay? Look in verse number 12. He says, to the one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the house of the temple of our God. This is very significant to these people. It says, never again will they leave it. So here, here's the deal. <laughs> Walking through this open door of blessing that God has ahead of you, it's going to cause you to become a pillar in God's work. Get this, this is, this is critical. See, Jesus is calling you out. It's no longer your life as kind of like a wet noodle that can't hold up anything. You know, you're just kind of there. You are now being called out and called up to be one who is strong, even though you may not feel strong. It even says in there that you may feel weary. But he's calling you to be strong, and, he's, and you're, he is calling you to be a person who's like a pillar who's going to lift other people up. And what does a pillar do? A pillar provides stability during unstable times. See, Jesus has seen your deeds. Jesus is saying, walk through this door because I want to build you up as a pillar for, uh, for strength and for security during very uncertain times. You, you are going to be an overcomer as you walk through this. Yes. this the, I mean, the, the Church of Philadelphia would have completely understood what this meant. See, because... Several years earlier, in A.D. 17, the city of Philadelphia was devastated by a, one of the biggest earthquakes that, that is known in ancient history. And the damage was significant across the, the city. The archaeologists, they have gone into the ruins of the ancient city, and, but they discovered something really unique because this was an earthquake zone. As they, they found that the foundations for the pillars in that area were actually built different than they were uh, throughout the rest of the Roman Empire. The foundations for the pillars were built in a way so that the pillars could withstand most earthquakes, and they did. In fact, many of the pillars that withstood that earthquake are still there today. Here's the picture of this. And so they would have put this into, into these more significant structures there in the, bill, in, in the city. So the picture of this is what Jesus has given to these people is even though destruction may be happening, even though there may be a shaking all around, even though things might be kind of crazy, you are a pillar, kind of like some of those pillars in the city that held up the structures when everything became uncertain and very little damage happened there where the pillars were. And here's, a, here's truth, guys. God is looking for 
pillars for his church. God is looking for pillars for his church for this new era that we are in where you are going to be individuals strengthened by the power of God and you are going to be providing stability and safety during times of shaking and when structures are falling apart. I'm calling you out. I'm asking you now, will you make the choice to walk through that door and become a person of stability during unstable times. Will you do it? I'm telling you what, these are times of political upheaval and plague and economic stress and cultural classes clashes, and you've got a choice. You can lock yourself in your house and hide out and, and watch social media and be afraid, or you can be a pillar in the middle of it all. I'm calling you as believers out to do that. I want you to be a person who supports and upholds the work of God in an uncertain time. I want you to be an earthquake-proof pillar. Don't you want to be that? Look at verse number 12. Second part of verse 12, it says, I will write on them the name of my God, the name of uh, the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from God, and I will write on them a new name. Uh, so lot, God's going to do a lot of writing on you. That, that's, that's, kind of, that's kind of interesting. But, but here's what this really means, and it, 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 I can just collapse it into this one statement, is that walking through your open door is going to give you a new identity. A new identity is what God has for you. It, it's time for some of you to shed the identity that has been concocted by somebody else and forced upon you. God has a new identity and a new plan for you. Some of you are operating under an identity of just pain. An identity of this, I'm just a person of pain. And it could be because of what someone did to you or a trial that you've walked through. But it is preventing, the identity of pain is preventing you from operating in the fullness of God. And God is saying, walk through this door of blessing. And as you walk through this door of blessing, I am going to give you a new, fresh identity. An identity I have crafted for you. So in other words, your, your status quo living right now, even though you may feel it's status quo, even though you may feel like you're serving and doing and you're giving your blessing, but you just can't see the results of it, God is saying, you know what? You just need to keep moving. Keep walking through that open door because there's an open door of blessing ahead in your life. You gotta take one step, take another, take another. Because God sees your works. God sees your deeds. He has watched you serve. He has watched you ministry. He has watched you sow seed. And sometimes you feel like this is just such a waste of time. Nobody appreciates it. (laughs) But God, God has created you. And you know this. God has created you to abandon yourself. And as a result of that, God's just going to stink and do some amazing, astonishing things in your life and through your life. What are you going to do at the end of the season? Say, well, I survived COVID. I mean, that's basically what the world is saying. That's really all you got to do is just try to survive COVID these days and get to the other side. I'm sorry, but I don't want that to be on my tombstone. Tim survived COVID and got hit by a car. I I don't want that. I don't want that. Of course we all want to survive, but think about that. I want God to do some astonishing things in my life instead of just, instead of the attitude that's becoming prevalent in the culture of exist and survive. 
the way to do that is we walk through the open door and only you know where that open door is and only you can see it because it's open for you. God's saying, if you walk through that open door, I am going to invade your life like never before. I have seen your deeds and now that open door is in front of you and I'm going to bless you with new identity. You gotta walk right through it. And as you do so, you defeat the forces of hell in your life. Revelation chapter 12, flip over there now. Revelation 12, 11. See, there's this accuser. We call him the devil, Satan. And scriptures talk about what he does. He hurls insults at you all the time. A lot of times, have you ever noticed there's just thoughts come to your mind of, I'm no good. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm so bad. I, I just, I can't. And, and, and you feel condemnation or you feel all these things, these thoughts. Well, understand that's the enemy. The Bible says that, that he is the accuser of the brothers. He's the accuser of us as Christians. So he accuses us in our minds and sometimes even through other people to beat us down and to hold us down, to keep us in a place of status quo because he doesn't want you walking through that door. But I'm going to give you three keys on how to defeat Satan right here. Defeat the accuser, to defeat the one who's trying to prevent you from walking through that door because an overcomer learns and knows how to resist hell and the overcomer overcomes Satan. It's a threefold strategy and it's found in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. This is gold right here. This is good. And that, look at this. In Revelation 12, 11, this is how the overcomers deal with Satan. It says, they triumphed over him. And that other word for triumph is also overcome, okay? So they overcame him. They triumphed over Satan by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. So, so Satan's plan is to keep you from walking through the door. He wants to discourage you. He wants to defeat you. He wants to speak negativity to you to, at a place where you believe it and you stay put. But you can overcome Satan. So the three challenges are this. According to Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, here it is. Overcome Satan. And you need to apply the blood of Jesus to your life. I, there, there are really two different ways this, this uh, should be looked at. Uh, one, of course, is, is by giving your life to Jesus Christ. He washes your sin away. You are a new creation in him. The old has gone, the new has come. It's as if you have never sinned. The blood of Jesus does that. And in a minute, when we do communion, we are celebrating the power of the blood of Jesus in our life. But keep in mind that his blood continues to cleanse you for any sin that you may commit after you give your life to Jesus. You need to keep applying the blood of Jesus to your life. Just keep applying the blood of Jesus to your life. You don't, you, you don't have to start all over again. It's just keep the blood of Jesus flowing in your life. It's because Satan wants to keep you locked down by accusing you of, uh, and bringing a, a, you know, really accusations against you for sins that you've committed. Sometimes th- something you've done way, way back in the past, reminding you of the times that you've missed the mark, and that's how he, he beats you down. But the blood of Jesus stops that stuff. The blood of Jesus makes you clean as if you've never sinned, and those accusations are defeated through 
the blood of Jesus. And I'm also telling you, the blood of Jesus not only defeats those accusations and sin, but the blood of Jesus also will break you out of, 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 uh, of handcuffs and, and break you out of prisons and deliver you. And it can be habits, it can be addictions, it can be attitudes. The blood of Jesus can break you out of that. The blood of Jesus is powerful. There's a reason why we do communion. It's not just some little thing that we should do and we don't really understand. No, there is power in the blood of Jesus and we're gonna do this here in just a minute. You are an overcomer. You're an overcomer because of the blood of Jesus. And that's just one of the three challenges. That's just one of the three ways to overcome Satan. (laughs) Here's the next one. The second one is, is very different. According to uh, Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, overcome Satan by telling your story. That's called your testimony. Your testimony. Talk about what God has done for you. And there's so many different ways to tell your story, to tell your testimony, just to share. God did this for me. God did that for me. Well, what if someone makes fun of you? Well, then uh, the truth is, if, if you're mocked or, or you know, some, someone puts you down, you're actually going to get a greater reward in heaven. So just, just, just go for it. Just go for it. And I, I think your testimony, I believe your testimony is kind of like a smart bomb that just goes straight toward one of Satan's strongholds and demolishes that. You want to be free from some of the oppression that you feel in your heart and your mind that's keeping you locked down. Start talking about what Jesus has done for you because you're defeating Satan with that. Here's the third way. Overcome Satan by rejecting fear. By rejecting fear. And, and specifically, this scripture talks about rejecting fear of death. Now, for us as Americans, we don't like talking about this, but, but it is a broad category of fear, but it also involves just fear of, of death. And, and I, I want to challenge you to not fear what these turbulent times might bring to you. See, if you're living in the fear of the unknown, the fear of death, the fear of disease, or the fear of financial loss, that will actually cripple you and you can't take steps forward. See, it's God's plan for you to be delivered from a spirit of fear. You know, there's natural fear, but a spirit of fear holds you down and keeps you locked down so that you can't move forward. It controls your life. And when you break that spirit of fear, you defeat Satan. It's it's interesting because uh, just, uh, just on Friday, I was across the street at at my favorite Walgreens in town. I love Walgreens. It is, it is like a pastor's dream to have a Walgreens right next to your office in your church. It is. It's just really, it's like everything you could ever desire in life right there. But I, w- I was over there and, and, I, and I was over near the pharmacy area and I was just chit-chatting with some people. And, and, and so I just started testifying. I, I was like, you know what? I, I, I had COVID and, and I went through it and thank God I didn't, I didn't have any very bad symptoms and I've got the antibodies now. And I, I say this to a lot of people. I said, so now I can just hug people and kiss people and roll in the dirt and this feels great. And, and, uh, and, and, and these people looked at me and, and they said, the government is wrong. You're going to get it again. And I said, oh, really? They said, yep, the government's wrong. I said, well, I, I said, one of the things I'm, I'm doing, I, I said this because I, I don't mind testifying. I said, I, I'm going now to people's homes if they have COVID. I'm, I'm going to their homes and praying for them and I'm believing God to heal them. And then this lady looked at me, she said, and you're gonna die for it. You're gonna die like that. <laughs> I mean, I, I, what's the comeback to that? I, I don't even know what to say. I, I, so I just thought, well, 
I'm a pastor, I would invite you to church, but since obviously you think I'm gonna die, I would like to invite you to my funeral in advance and you can come and hear the gospel. And they walked away. I, they, I think they were tired of hearing me at that point. I, I sure I was a little smart aleck at the end, but you know what? When a person's going, you're going to die. <laughs> How dare you pray for people who have COVID? Death is upon you. <laughs> you know what? And it is funny, but the enemy uses that kind of stuff as fear in our lives. He will, and, and he will do it in a million different ways to people. That's just the way he tried to do it to me. And could be, the funny thing is like for a quarter of an eighth of a half of a second, I thought I could. But then I'm like, come on, this is ridiculous. I'm not going to fear that. I'm going to defeat Satan. I'm going to defeat hell. And the truth is I walked out of there thinking, that's right, I'm on God's side. I'm gonna walk through my open door. You see, those are ways you defeat hell in your life. You defeat Satan by the blood of Jesus, by the word of your testimony, and not living in fear, even the fear of death. So guys, there's a doorway to blessing ahead. There is. And I am very certain that doorway is going to bring you into a new dimension of God's presence and God's grace. And and I'm also certain that walking through that door of blessing is going to demand that you defy the status quo in your life, whatever that looks like. God is jolting some of you out of your status quo to get up on your feet and take some steps forward. And only you know exactly what that means. But the rewards of what's on the other side will be amazing. Hear me well. He has unlocked the door. He's unlocked the door. He's opened that door for you. No one can close it. No one can lock it. All you have to do now is walk through the door. You know, as we celebrate the Lord's death through communion in just a moment, I, I didn't plan it this way because I'd originally planned for communion to be today. We try to do this on the first Sunday of the month and as a, as a, uh, just as a, as a good reminder of the things of God. But I didn't plan it this way, but as, as I was doing this last part of the message, I realized that these three ways of defeating Satan are actually all found in communion. <laughs> they are. I want you to listen to what the scripture says about about communion. It says, the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And look at this. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Okay, the three elements of defeating Satan are locked up in Holy Communion. The blood of Jesus, that's obvious, right? But second is our testimony, which is that word where it says you proclaim the Lord's death. That means you are testifying by doing this. You are testifying that I am a child of God. You are proclaiming, you are telling the story of Christ's death. And then you're thinking, what, what, what are you doing? You're actually, by, by do, participating in communion, you are associating yourself with his death which says, I'm not gonna be afraid of death myself. Jesus wasn't afraid of it, I'm not either. Those three elements of defeating Satan are wrapped up in Holy Communion. Guys, what we are doing is powerful. Do not ever consider this to be a little churchy thing you do. 
there's power. There's power. There's, this scripture goes on to say, and I'm not going to preach all this today, but I might, might, but I feel like it, but I won't. But it goes on to say that there are many people who even get sick and die in the church because they don't get it. They don't understand the full value of what's happening. I don't want that for you. I want you to have it. I want you to receive healing in the blood of Jesus, your testimony. You're not going to fear death. You are going to move forward in your walk with God because Jesus moved forward for you. I'd like for us to pray right now before we have our time of communion. We're going to pray for just a moment. And if you've not yet received Christ into your life, you're hearing me this morning, whether you're watching online or you're here in this room, I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus. Because here at City Life Church, we practice open communion, which just means you don't have to be a part of our church to, to partake in communion, but you do need to be a part of the family of God. The way to do that is through the blood of Jesus. Would you just look inside, just go, just be introspective right now. And if you need Jesus, if, if there's sin in your life and you're ready to be free from it, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me in your home or in your car or in this room. I want you to pray these words with me. Dear Jesus, and everybody in this room, I want you to say these words with me as well as an encouragement to those who are praying this and, and taking a step forward right now. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I give my life to you. Wash me in your precious blood. I make the choice today to serve you and to walk through the open door of my future that you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you're at home, go ahead and get your elements ready. If you're in here for some reason you weren't served earlier, lift your hand high. We want to we want to bring the basket of communion to you. There may be some among us that didn't that weren't served for one reason or another. Just keep your hand up high. I don't want anybody to miss out on this opportunity for holy communion. As you open up the communion elements, you'll find this this wafer representing the body of Christ. Jesus said, by his stripes you are healed. By his wounds, by his scourgings, you are healed. There is healing that's being released in this room. There's healing being released in your home. I want you to receive this. I want you to take this. I want you to understand God is for you. He is not against you. He paid the price for you, and he's saying, take me into you. That's what he wants. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your body that was crushed, beaten, and broken for us. Thank you that by your wounds, by your stripes, we are healed. We receive healing in our bodies. We receive miracles in our bodies. In Jesus' name, amen. Partake the body of Christ. Second is the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus, which washes away sin, which reminds us to not fear death. This blood of Jesus, which breaks strongholds and breaks you out of prisons, which brings deliverance to you. I'll tell you what, guys, this blood of Jesus puts you into God's family. You're a part of the family of God. 
Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, so much for your blood that you shed for us on Calvary. Thank you for giving your life for us and, and letting that blood be flow. So, and it continues to flow today for us, God, because you continue to forgive our sin. You continue to set us free. You continue to bring us freedom and access to your family, access to the goodness of God through your blood. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. We take this now in remembrance of you. Please partake love Christ. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.